Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. All right. Now, last week. Last week, we had a couple of minutes just to share about the Holy Spirit speaking in and through um, the book of Acts. And we noted that the, the Holy Spirit is alive and he's speaking and he's using and speaking through ordinary people. So New Testament prophetic ministry is different from the old covenant where the prophets were loners and they wore funny clothes, some of them, and they ate funny food, some of them, and they were kind of like a bit of an isolated sort of a bunch. But in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, from the day of Pentecost, God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and my sons and daughters will prophesy. And so this is something that's open to the entire body of Christ. And when we talk about prophecy, we're basically saying hearing God's voice and then just sharing with others what God's saying. So let's just like demystify and like bring it down into a a level that we can understand and we can apply in our lives. And so we don't want to be leaning into old covenant ways when we're actually meant to be walking in New Testament prophetic ministry. And so in the book of Acts, we see that the Lord was speaking and he was very much involved in shaping and moving uh, people and lives and situations. So last week we looked at the whole thing with Cornelius and that his prayers and his giving stirred God's heart and opened up a revival. You want a mini personal revival? Like, it's really easy, just tithe. Tithe. I will open the windows of heaven. Sounds like a revival to me. But that's another teaching for another day. So, as he, Peter is, is preaching... And the Lord is just shattering things in the most amazing way and shifting paradigms. And they realize and recognize that actually the Holy Spirit has been poured out, not just on the Hebrew believers, but on Gentiles, non-Hebrews, non-Jews. That's pretty much everybody in the room, I think. We Gentiles. Okay. And so they recognized that God was speaking to them through this incredible action of the outpouring of the Spirit. And the Spirit was poured out before they were baptized in water. And that messes with some people who want everything in nice, neat boxes. And one of the ways in which they could tell that people were baptized in the Holy Spirit was that they were speaking in tongues and they were telling of the goodness of God. They were praising God in languages that they hadn't learned. Okay, now in Acts chapter 13, what's happening now is that the Holy Spirit is kicking in again and bringing about a significant shift and change in people's lives and in their thinking. 
And so in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Okay, so now we see the Holy Spirit speaking in a context of worship, of prayer, and of fasting. Hallelujah. Fasting is very much a New Testament practice. The early church did it. Praise the Lord. Then the two of them, verse 4, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Yeah? So the Holy Spirit is involved in our coming and our going. And as we are going about in obedience to what he's saying to us, he's with us. So there's an empowering of the Spirit as we go on our way. Holy Spirit isn't just for in the building. When we have times of worship, like we did this morning, fantastic, we feel his presence, we are overwhelmed by you know, just being before him. And we can feel, we can sense like, wow, things are shifting and changing, this is, this is amazing. But the Holy Spirit hasn't just been given so that we can speak in tongues or sing in tongues and have goosebumps in meetings. The Holy Spirit has been given so that as we go on our way, we can be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given for you as much for Monday morning, 8 o'clock, as for Sunday morning. The world needs you to be full of the Spirit on Monday morning. Hmm. Let's jump to verse 13. So uh, from Paphos, Paul, can you see he's undergone a name change here? Okay, so Saul, one of these Facebook, you know, two profile people. Saul becomes Paul. Okay. Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John, this is John Mark, left them to return to Jerusalem. This was, you'll know, when they got to the second church planting missionary journey, that Barney and Paul had a Barney over John, John Mark. Okay, so this is this is the John. Okay. Now, verse fourteen from Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. So this is a different Antioch from the other one where they left. Verse 1. This is a different Antioch. Okay? Now on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and they sat down. After reading the law from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. So what's happening in the synagogue is that there were... Jewish believers 
Old Testament, Old Covenant believers, and then there were converts to Judaism, but they were Gentiles. All right? And into this context, Paul and Barnabas, they are busy preaching and telling of the good news. Then there's a long sermon, which we're just going to fast forward, uh, where Paul is explaining to them that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? Then we get to verse 44. Um, because what happened is that the guy said, wow, this is an amazing message. Come back and tell us more next week. Okay? That's sometimes what I say. It's like, come, come back next week and we'll, we'll carry on. So uh, on the next Sabbath, verse 44, almost the whole city gathered. How about that? To hear the word of the Lord. That's pretty powerful, right? When the Jews, now all of a sudden, like, hang on, who, who, who are we talking about here? Now we're talking about the religious people, okay? So the religious leaders, that's what we mean by here, the Jews, okay? Because obviously there are a whole bunch of them that liked what was being said, but there is some who didn't. So when the religious leaders, the Jews, saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Interesting to note, we see this principle over and over again. Whenever the Lord does something new, whenever there's a fresh move of the Spirit, the previous move will persecute, will smear, will ridicule the new move. Because they received something that was amazing, yes? But when you camp at an old revelation and you set up tent, if you like, you create a monument instead of being part of a movement. It's kind of like, well, this is the revelation that God gave us. And so, listen, we've got to hold on to this thing. Well, yes, hold on to it in the sense of stewarding it. But don't hold on to it in the sense that there's no room for you to receive more. You're holding it so tight that your hands become closed that you cannot receive more of the Lord. And so very often, a previous move of the Spirit, a move of God, in their attempt to so hold on to what God has given them, why? Because they were persecuted by the previous lot. And so to hold their ground because of the previous persecution, they now actually become like almost fossilized. They themselves become the monument. They become like a statue. They just, they can't move. And then they begin to heap abuse at the next move. What the Lord is doing among us in the season He's doing something new and fresh. And there's some people who experienced God in a particular way, in a particular form in the past. And they're going to look and see, but I'm not sure that that's really a proper church. I mean, the guy doesn't even have a tie <laughs> or a title. Like, is he a proper pastor? No, 
was asked of me just a couple of months ago. It's like, but who's the real pastor? <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, 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 I'll get there, you know. I'll get there, you know. I've only been at this for, I better not say how many years. Might date me a bit. <laughs> More than a quarter of a century. I think I'm beginning to get one or two handles on one or two things. <laughs> Nevertheless, when the new doesn't fit the mold of the old, often there's a persecution. There's a smearing. And so some of us will experience that. Like a lot of nods in the room. Like you already had to. Okay. That's the principle. Okay. And Huh. When people pray for revival, often when God comes, He comes in a way, shape, and form that we didn't expect. And He doesn't meet our expectations. So then we can easily reject the new thing because we had a preconceived idea as to what the new thing was supposed to look like. And in many, many cases, just recent church history as well as long, long church history, whenever there's been an outpouring of the Spirit, the very people who prayed for the outpouring got offended with God because of the way in which He did it. And we ourselves in this congregation had to navigate our way through that. Because when he came, he did it a little differently from what some of the people thought he should do. They got very offended. So what can we learn from church history? Let's not repeat the same mistakes. Let's be open. Say, Lord... We don't have to prescribe to you what you are allowed to do. You are God and we are not. And even if we don't understand what's happening, we're at least going to open our hearts and our lives. We're going to trust you, Holy Spirit, that there's a witness in our spirit that this is God. Even if it offends our minds, because it's different from what we thought. Can we try that? Wouldn't it be amazing if we became the first church on the planet that didn't get offended? I mean, that would be something to aim for, wouldn't it? Okay. Verse 46 in Acts 13. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. Gosh, that thing stabbed me this morning. You do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles. That you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The you here is singular. 
It's talking about Jesus was a light to the Gentiles and his salvation to the ends of the earth. But this is interesting because, I mean, okay, your maths is good, right? Acts 13 is after Acts 10. Peter, Peter's offended. It's like, I won't call what, you know, this, I'm not going to touch that. That's unclean. God speaks to him three times in a vision. Miraculously sends angels and all the rest of it. Knock at the door. It's the boys. Come take him off to Cornelius' place. He's going on a 50 kilometer hike. And off he goes there and he's preaching and God interrupts his preaching. He says, okay, now I know. The Gentiles, they're in. I mean, these were good Jewish boys. They'd grown up with the Torah. They'd grown up knowing all the prophetic words. Promising that the Gentiles would be drawn. Nations will come to your light. Nations will come. They had this, right? It took them a while to actually realize that they were part of the answer to those prophetic words. Even though Jesus said, stick around in Jerusalem and I'll make you my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, some area, and to the ends of the earth. It took them more than a decade to actually Oh, you actually mean this. Like to the ends of the earth. And it includes the Gentiles. So, how's this? Peter steps into the revelation and the application Gentiles are in. Now Paul gets to flow in what happened through, in a sense, Peter's initiating ministry. Yeah? Can I tell you what else is amazing? Is that chapter 9 comes before chapter 10. And in chapter 9, Saul, who later becomes Paul, he gets knocked off his high horse on the road to Damascus, is blinded by the light, has an amazing encounter with God. Jesus speaks directly to a guy called Ananias and says, listen, there's a guy, Saul of Tarsus, in Straight Street. This is like treasure hunt material, right? Names and addresses. And conditions, he's blind. But he's also had a vision that a guy called Nice is coming to pray for him. So there's confirmation when you rock on the door. But Jesus, he's the guy who's killing all of us. He says, it's okay. I'm going to cause him to go to the Gentiles. I'm going to send Paul... Well, he's called Saul then. I'm going to send Saul to the Gentiles. But who gets to go first? 
Peter. It's kind of like I'm chewing on this a little bit, okay? Sometimes the Lord gives you a prophetic word and it turns out different in terms of the application or the outworking from what you thought. Look, this guy had to go and explain to all the religious people, not just in Damascus, but also in Jerusalem. Like, this guy, it's okay. He's, he's, he's now one of us. The guy who was killing us is now one of us. Stamp of approval. Okay? So Barnabas is involved in introducing Saul to the apostolic leaders. The same Barnabas. And everybody there knew the prophetic word because, I mean, like angels were involved, Jesus himself speaking, this is crazy stuff, miraculous conversion. And everyone knew the prophetic word over Paul's life. He's going to the Gentiles. Who got there first? Peter. What if the Lord gave you a prophetic word and somebody else got there first? Oh, I must have missed it. Prophet was wrong. It was for somebody else, not for me, you know. It's like I thought it was for Paul, but it's actually Peter. Sometimes the outworking of our prophetic words turn out differently from what we think and expect. Don't get offended. The Lord still got a way for that prophetic word to be enacted. Even if it looks different from what you thought. Me, Johannesburg, was never going to happen. Where I grew up, how I grew up, I was never going to be here. Because I had a particular thing in my mind as to how the prophetic words are going to play out. Thank God, He is God, and He's bigger than us, and He's bigger than some of our finite thinking. So when He moves you, and we were sent here, by the way, we didn't really have a choice. It was a complete setup. Because in those days, my father was the apostolic leader of the network. Lisa and I, we fasting, like, should we go, shouldn't we go, Lord, speak to us. He says, I don't know why you're fasting. I'm sending you. It's like Paul sent Timothy, the son in the Lord, I'm sending you. Lisa and I look at each other, I guess we finished fasting then. We did, we went home and had lunch. Look, it wasn't our choice. Look, he did confirm it with some scripture and, and all the rest of it. So we know we're in the right place. Otherwise, all the stuff we went through, we probably would have hit the eject button. But my point is, 
God can overrule and override sometimes the way we interpret the prophetic words. Speaks to Paul in chapter 9, but it happens with Peter in chapter 10. But then we see in chapter 13. Hello. Now he's going to the Jews, the Hebrews first, but because they would not choose eternal life. You did not count yourselves worthy to accept this invitation of eternal life. All right, now let's head for the Gentiles. This is extraordinary stuff. Yeah? So extraordinary, I forgot to look at the clock. And let's bring this in for a landing. Oops. Verse 48. It's only four more verses and we're going home, right? When the Gentiles heard this, all right, I've made you a light to the Gentiles. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Verse 49. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Sounds like a revival. Mm Mm-hmm. But the Jewish leaders incited God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and they expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and they went to Iconium. Verse 52, this is a good verse for us to end on. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. When God is busy with his people, when God is in his church, signs will be joy and Holy Spirit. Yeah? If there's an absence of joy, it's an absence of Jesus in the place. Hebrews says that Jesus was anointed with more joy than his fellow companions. The oil of gladness, the oil of joy on Jesus was greater, more than his generation, his companions. Jesus got more joy than us. Lots of joy. More than enough, overflow, abundance, he's, he's got enough to spare. When Jesus is around, there's joy. When Jesus is not around, there's an absence of joy. Yay, yay, yay. Come on. Aren't you glad we're in Joyburg? Aren't you glad that we're open to joy? Now, if that makes you mad or sad, we're trusting that the Holy Spirit would soften 
the stronghold in your mind. Where you have somehow believed the notion that God is angry and Jesus is sad. And that in order for us to be holy, we also need to look like we've been baptized in lemon juice. It's very, very closely allied to a religious spirit, tradition. But when we're open to the spirit, he begins to remove that lie, the incorrect picture of Jesus, and begin to replace that with the truth. Jesus, full of joy. So full of joy, he could even face the cross. For the joy set before him. Joy led him through that agony. It was joy. And the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit moves... In the book of Acts, the result is joy and good news spreads. Why don't we say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in a similar way that we would have the same effect? It would have the same effect on us, joy and the spreading of good news. On Monday morning when they say, why are you so cheerful? Everyone else is nursing a hangover. They're worried about bricks flying everywhere or whatever it might be. And you're just so full of joy. It's like, why are you so full of joy? What, 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 what happened? I'm so glad you asked. Remember, you asked. Now let me tell you. And man, oh man, I've got so much joy, I've got more than enough. There's enough to sustain me and to also give. Flate, flate. Let's stand. Thank you for the, the extra few minutes. I do appreciate that. I forgot to ask for it, so I'm just going to th thank you afterwards. Yeah. You want to hold hands? Seems to be that kind of a, a morning, doesn't it? For the singles, if you like the person next to you, uh, you want to see them for coffee afterwards, just, just give a double squeeze and... to make sure there are no mistakes in communication is a triple squeeze back <laughs> if you say yes.
but don't crush their hand. Just be gentle. Sorry, I can't do religion. I'm just not, not good at that. Okay. Lord, we're so, so full of gladness and joy because you've come with good news. You're the speaking God who spoke the world into existence and you're the speaking God who still speaks today. And even as you spoke to your sons and daughters 2,000 years ago, when the church was launching, you speaking to your sons and daughters now, today, as this, this church in this amazing time of renewing and renewal, reviving and revival, kingdom advance, that you're speaking into our hearts and our lives. We ask, Holy Spirit, that where there are prophetic words, where we have a sense of the future, whatever it may be, and it turns out different from what we first thought, Holy Spirit, right now I ask, would you remove offense from any heart that's here today? We're offended because it didn't work the the way we thought it would. Lord, take that toxic poison out of our hearts. We're disappointed with God. Lord, would you neutralize the toxins, the lies we believed? The doubting of your goodness. But I thought you gave me the word and somebody else did it. And this is not fair. And it's like, Whoa. It's not about us. It's about you. Lord, I ask bringing healing today through your word. That you can do things differently from what we think. And you're still able to cause your prophetic word to prevail. So we say thank you for your words to us. Where we've put things away because we thought prophetic words could not be trusted. Lord, we want to reach back, take them off the shelf, blow the dust off them. And say, Lord, speak to us again. Your servant is listening. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're not just for meetings, but you're for on the way. That as we go on our way in business and in life and in all these different things, Holy Spirit, work powerfully in our lives shape us and mold us to be more like you cause us also Lord to be a light to the Gentiles 
because you are the light of the world and you are living inside of us and therefore we too are a light in this dark world. And may your joy fill this place, fill our hearts. May we as disciples of Jesus, may we also be filled with joy. And may we experience more of you, Holy Spirit, speaking to us and leading us. Thank you, Lord. So right now we thank you Lord for healing that flows to everyone that needs healing. Even as we lay hands on each other now. (laughs) Healing. Pain leave bodies now in Jesus name. Thank you Jesus. Things that are torn be mended. Viruses stopped in Jesus name. Immune systems that have been compromised will release a strengthening by the power of God into immune systems now. Thank you, Jesus. Anxiety leave. Insomnia leave. Health and strength flow into everybody now. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are our provider, that you take care of our needs. So we choose to trust you. Thank you, Lord. Give us today our daily bread. Thank you, Jesus. And as we go from this place, may your love flood through us to our neighbors that they might experience something of your love through us and may your protection continue to be over us as we drive on the roads cocoon us and protect us Lord on the roads may life eternal surge within us in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen Amen.